Tonight, what you are about to hear is an interview, a one-on-one interview, with the latest member of the Aspie Files family, Ron Hurst. We've been trying to get Ron on this program for a while now. But I said to him, let's sit down and do a one-on-one interview with you. And I want everyone to get to know you, the person that you are. It was such a fun episode, and originally it was going to be a bonus feature. But we decided because Ron had so much fun in the episode, as did I, we're going to make it a full-length episode. And Ron's going to appear very frequently in the show as a contributor, as he is. He's got ideas. He can't wait to bring them to the table. I can't wait to have you here, Ron. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is my exclusive interview with Aspie Files contributor, Ron Hurst. And cha cha cha. This is a very special bonus feature of the Aspie Files. Well, as you probably have heard me, very loyal fans of the Aspie Files here in the United States and around the world know that we uh, have announced that we have hired a brand new contributor. And because we've been trying to work between both our schedules, because we both work at the same job, and we really wanted to make sure we introduced him before our ver- our second annual anniversary special airs later this month. I figured let's interview let's interview my friend now and let you all get a chance to hear his voice and. Got to know him, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the latest edition of the Aspie Files family, our new contributor, Mr. Ron Hurst. Ron, welcome to the Aspie Files. Thank you very much. How are Thank you, my How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. And now, i got to ask, is this the first uh, podcast uh, that you've been uh, interviewed on? It is, actually. Really? Well, yes. you've never been even interviewed on by anybody else besides myself for like a talk show? Not really, no. Really? My goodness. See, I would think... Like, 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 Leno would take one look at you and be like, hey, we got to do a piece on you. Probably from the, his early days when he was at NBC, when he went to, like, Just Shades. Which is one of his best. <laughs> you remember that skit? When I he do. did Just Shades and when he did Shades, the, yeah. uh, uh, Just, I think it was, uh, was it Bulbs? Was it, Bulbs. It, it, yeah. I thought so, yeah. Because I watched a lot of, like, when I first really got into Letterman as a teenager, I started to study him. Because, like any Aspie, I tend to over-prepare, like, everything. Of course. Just, I'm always constantly just... Uh, my mind's perhaps well. The mind is always going fast. It really is, yeah. Especially for guys like you and I, who constantly like we have like a million different thoughts in our mind. I think that's why you and I click so well. Exactly. Um, tell everyone how we met, by the way. Well, we met at the same job. Yeah. Uh, what happened is we we just happened to meet in the lunchroom. Yes. And we just happened to be talking about because you were listening to some music. Yeah. And so I remember. Uh, Telling you that uh, I had met uh, Billy Joel, right? Because we we're both Christy major Brinkley, fans of and this. We're major fans, right? So from there, we kind of just started clicking on certain topics like music, uh, politics, yeah. uh, current events, everything else. So everything yeah. went from there, and it, it started to uh, flourish into the friendship we have now. And I love that. I will say this to people: Ron's the first friend I met when I since I moved to the call center. I really, you're the first friend I met. I, mean, I got along very well with people in Abernathy's class. Who's my trainer? Uh, I don't know if he was your trainer or not, but no, actually, Paige was. And Paige is a lovely teacher. She's a really yeah. great, very patient person, as they all were, by the way, as, as all of them were. Yes. Um, <laughs> in case you're all listening, but <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, but any event, we're giving you kudos. We're giving you kudos. Take the kudos. But anyway, yeah, no, I uh, we made we we just clicked right away because we realized we had we were we love the same kind of music. We're both comedy nerds. We're both Disney nerds, pop culture nerds, particularly. But do you ever notice that most of the stuff we're into is like way goes takes us way back in time? Nostalgia. It does because what happens is a lot of the nostalgic things that we mm-hmm. currently look at today 
it gives us the foreground and the backbone of what we have today for comedy and a lot of other things. I mean, I mean, and I've also argued that any game show, any any in pop culture, if an art form loses sight of its roots, it's lost sight of everything. Like, you know, when you look at like, how do I say this? But we were just watching Sale of the Century right. a minute ago on Buzzer TV. By the way, Buzzer TV, if you don't have Pluto TV, you really should get it. It's free. Sign up for it. And if you're a friend of nostalgia, they have a little bit of everything, but particularly for Ron and myself, we're both game show fanatics. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. When you first moved in with us, you we were watching Family Feud in the beginning. Yes. What did you make of Steve Harvey? Because you've never seen him before, right? I've heard of him, but I've never watched him on that show. Uh-huh. I was a Richard Dawson fan. Right, because you saw him when he was in the 70s. Exactly, and I grew up in the 70s, so I saw that originally. <laughs> right, but you, was, that was a good era for game shows, the 70s. Oh, it was excellent. It seems like that what game shows were in the 70s and 80s is what reality TV was in the 2000s. Pretty much, Maybe exactly. late 90s. Good correlation. Yeah, maybe late 90s, I don't know. Because that's when I kind of, when I was in junior high, it's when these weird kind of dating shows started to come on. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know what Chuck Barris thought of it. They are, they've already asked Bob Eubanks what he thinks of it. Right. And this is the same guy that would ask questions like, gentlemen, complete the sentence. This is you uh, talking. Uh, if the National Weather Service did a weather report about your whoopee sessions at your bedroom <laughs> last night, what would they have reported? Stormy weather, a cold snap, or a heat wave? <laughs> right now it would be Alaska for me. It would be Alaska. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, love is, love is a tricky thing though, isn't it? I mean, I'm amazed by... You know, it's like Alan Jackson once said, some people have it, some people don't. But, you know, at the end of the day, I root it for everyone, especially for you, my friend, because you deserve it. By the way, if any ladies are interested, and we've got a good number of women that listen to the podcast, uh, what kind of woman are you looking for, man? Oh, I'm looking for one that's <laughs> vertical and breathing at this point, but no. Um, <laughs> what I actually would like is just to meet somebody who is genuine, honest, and uh, forthright and would accept me for who I am. I think that's what all of us want. I think that's what I saw with Jennifer. And on top of the fact we both mm-hmm. we both had a lot to offer. You know, She loves golf and kayaking and the beach. Uh, I liked the beach as a kid. I didn't really get into it again until I started dating her, honestly. Right. I don't know what it was, even though you lived here for so many years. You just, you know, between finishing school and between trying to get into the job market, mm-hmm. I never even really thought about the beach. And I don't know. It, it was good to have that thing to share with her if I was going to go there. You know what I mean? Like, well, you two complement each other well. Really? Well, I think so. Because from what I've observed, uh, you know, you both have different likes. Yes. Dislikes. And the thing is, you have more of a like in many categories that you both didn't know about. So now you have more in common. It seems that way, yeah. And again, especially with some of them. I mean, our first date was a Robert De Niro movie where nobody got whacked. Well, there you go. There, yeah. And that's a first, too. <laughs> and it, and it, it goes back to a conversation you and I had about about cinema, I think, during the commercial break. By the way, Buzzer, fix your commercials, please. You might want to nice. talk to somebody at, at Buzzer. I don't know if it's a Buzzer thing or a Pluto thing. I don't know, but you might want to talk to somebody up there. Get those straightened out. But you and I were talking about movies earlier too, and isn't it amazing that movies have changed so much since we were kids? Well, they have. They've become. I don't know how we stay, but I guess they they become more politically. You think so? And you know, fired up, and and what they do is they they try to bring today's issues into the forefront, but they overdo it in certain ways. Yeah, and, and I would you know my bigger argument is that one. Genre owns the film industry, mm-hmm. and that's the and that's superheroes. Superheroes now, right now, which 
enough already. Right. With the superheroes. I love one. No, I thought the first two Wonder Woman movies were great. Gal Gadot they was good. wonderful. They were good. Yeah. She's, oh, she's a superb. She's a lovely actress. actress and very talented. And she's funny too. Did you see her in uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses with uh, Isla Fisher? Yes. She was yeah. really good in that. That was the first time I saw her. I was like, who is this? Exactly. And I think that's a lot of what Hollywood said was, who is this? Because yeah. she got the spotlight at that point. And she also, what people I, th- I noticed about her at least, she was very funny along with being very beautiful. And I think you throw in like Scarlett Johansson's like that too. Oh, and I yeah. think it's not a surprise that she had like her husband is a guy from Saturday Night Live, Justin Colin Jost, who's a co anchor of Update. Right. So like I see them together and they just, they do, they compliment each they other. They compliment right? each other, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I knew a lot about her because she worked with Woody. I knew very little about Colin except that he was on SNL with uh, Che. And I got to say, Jost and Che uh, channeling each other well. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm like you. Do you think that films of the story are going to be recognized more? Because it seems like you and I were talking about the Oscars. Sometimes mm-hmm. they nominate good films. Sometimes they honor them. But sometimes they fall short of honoring films that have great stories in favor of... Um, What's gonna What's gonna sell right, or what's gonna give a great speech? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, and I also would say too that everybody's looking for that next next blockbuster. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, blockbusters were started back in 1975 or so when right. Jaws came out. Right. And Stimmer. everybody wants that big super movie. Yeah. But sometimes it's the independent movies that don't get enough credit. Yeah. For having a aboriginal and and, and original plot line and maybe even not even having the forefront of actors from Hollywood but starring people, in those roles. But just people who are extremely talented. Exactly. You know, a good example of that is, we were talking about George Clooney, I think when you first moved in here, about his movies and mm-hmm. one, as an actor, but as a director, because he's directed several movies and to me, he he is becoming what Eastwood, you know, became when he started directing as well. Um, and I think he's going to continue on that route, one, because I think he likes being in control of his product and his brand and more power to him for that. Because he does those action movies that make $20 million a picture, like the Oceans movies. And, right. But what I like about it is he'll take that and invest them into independent films that are really are really good. I mean, when he made Out of Sight, do you remember a movie he made called Out of Sight? I do. With uh, Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Don Lopez, Cheadle. yes. And uh, Farina, may he rest in peace, Dennis Farina. Um, Dennis Farina, another great actor. And, a great, and he was wonderful in Law and & Order. And, you know, the, one of the last movies I saw him in was a Kutcher movie called What Happens in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Very small part. And he also was the um, the host of Unsolved Mysteries uh, for a short time on the Spike channel. Yes, he was. He After uh, Robert Stack had uh, yeah. unfortunately passed away. Were you a fan of the original with Robert Stack? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, because it seemed like when, when – but when Clooney made Out of Sight, mm-hmm. um, he said uh, he and Sonnenberg, Steven Sonnenberg, the director. Sonnenberg, yeah. And he was part of that independent wave of directors in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember what... Because anyway, but he hired uh, and he directed Ocean's Eleven. But yeah, what happened was they, um, they had to fight to get Jennifer Lopez in Out of Sight. Yes. And I remember this was 1997. And what would you guess? What would you guess Hollywood's reason would be that they were resistant to putting her in that movie? Or the studio? I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, you think back into the 90s, 90s was a different era. There was a, mm-hmm. a bit of a different uh, reflection on the way Hollywood wanted to present 
uh, certain actresses and actors, and I guess maybe they didn't. They felt that she wasn't quite what they thought she was. Right. She's multi-talented, but I don't know if they really understood that she has also the acting ability. Do you think they Hollywood tried to put uh, Jennifer Lopez into a box? I think so. And, and and the thing is, she she can't be contained in any type of box. So and that's she great broke about out it. those. Uh, I guess you could say broke out the sides and and basically explored her inner and, and deeper ways of showing that she's multifaceted with her talent. Exactly. And she, you know, like Reese Witherspoon's the same way too. I mean, she acts in films, oh, she produces woman. films, and a beautiful woman, yeah. But Reese went through a period after she won her Oscar for Walk the Line where she had trouble getting really, really good roles. Was, Which happens because after you reach the top, sometimes it's it's hard to keep that you know wave and eddies as you're going on the top. Sometimes you you have to reach a little bit of a lower plateau before you hit the crest again. And she did too. And I noticed that I think Hollywood wanted to keep her in the rom com yeah. box, and she said, "No, I don't want to be in that box." And because of that, she started Hello Sunshine, and because of that, she started making. She produced Gone Girl, which she produced but was not in, but it was still right. really good. Wild, which she was in, which she was fantastic in. Mm-hmm. I thought she was wonderful. I was wonderful and wild. Um, and then she made the segue into television, which shows like Big Little Lies, which Jennifer and I watch, and The Newsroom, which she's wonderful in with Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Anderson, her buddy, and Steve yeah. Carell. And <clears throat> I mean, do you also think that the, the studios for TV and movies have more creativity because they are because of companies like Apple and Netflix and Amazon? I think so. I think what they do is they are learning that since you don't have to be stuck on a cable network sometimes, mm-hmm. you have the independent, like let's say a Netflix or you have any yep. of these other, mm-hmm. um, they have a functionality that's different. They take ideas, like, like the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Right. You know, they took an idea and then they expanded into something different, made it into, instead of having a host, you basically go right into the story. And you have the people who are there to tell the story. And then you have the people there telling the story, which it's giving you the same basis for the way the show was formatted, Mm -hmm. but then broke out of the box again and gave us a different way to view it and understand it. Yeah, and now it's, com- it's coming back for a third season. And I third think season? I cannot wait. Yeah, um, and they had a lot of interesting cases. I was amazed. The one case that amazed me the most was the guy that escaped from prison while shopping for Christmas presents. And he should never yes. have been left unsupervised. No, he was left unsupervised and uh, basically walked out of the store. Right. And I, from watching the episode, the perception is that he's still alive. I don't think so, but, you know. If he is, he is one lucky son of a gun, let me tell he you. Really because is. He really he has evaded the law for what now? 30, decades. 40 years? Decades. Decades, yeah. Well, yeah, decades. And the problem is the families have no justice. But as we've learned from John Walsh, there is no such thing as closure. No, there isn't anything as closure. But there mm. is, in the end, they will they will have their, their day. Justice. Justice will be served. Right. It may not be in our lifetime, but right. it will be eventually done. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I, I hope the same can be for... Um, you know, I mean, yeah, the justice system in this country has its flaws, but I think fundamentally it still works, unless we want to live in a world where there's no joke trials by jury, and we don't have a constitution and, you know, Fourth Amendment rights and Miranda, the Miranda laws and stuff like that. Like, we're screwed if we don't have items. I mean, we, we've got to have smart laws that protect our citizens, not infringe and um, make them more afraid. 
Well, we have we have a good infrastructure, and, and our forefathers did a great job on the Constitution. Right. And that's why we have things called amendments. Right. And so many amendments were made to the Constitution to make sure that we kept the same focus and didn't aberrate from where we were going from and where we're going to. Wow. Problem is, the system, the justice system, has expanded in different directions, and unfortunately, they've lost focus on some of the areas where they should stay with and not, and not stay with. Right, and I think we're just we're a country that learns things way too slowly. I, I think that's just in so many factors. We're a little deficient. I think we're 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 in that uh, maybe we're still in our romper room phase of trying to understand the localities, the understandings of different. I think what what we need to do is really get an understanding of how other countries are are standardizing things like socialism communism yeah. and we and what we need to do is use that as a frame of reference to make sure we stay on the path we're on and we should probably know what the hell words like socialism communism means because i think a lot of people don't no a lot of unfortunately people have this conception they hear someone or something that they hear on let's say a news snippet or something else yeah. where it gives you a brief understanding of the meaning but it doesn't give you the overall aspect of the meaning right and the meaning itself is actually more in depth than the shallow side of what they give you on that let's say it was a news expose or maybe even somebody just doing a brief snippet on it right exactly and also i mean i i can't say this enough we live in a soundbite world and it's mm-hmm. very easy to misinterpret it's very easy to misinterpret <clears throat> what somebody said. It, re- it really, really is. I see it happen constantly. And it's an, it's an, it's insane. And I very, I will say after not being in news now for the last several months, I watch very little of it. And, you know, like a few exceptions. I watch Vice and I watch, um, I watch, no, I watch 60 Minutes. I don't know if you got to see it over the past weekend, but they interviewed the president of Ukraine. Mm. And I'll just say this, the guy is a former stand-up comedian and sitcom actor. Wow. Who became the president of Ukraine. And he's really risen to the he's really risen to the challenge, mm. and he is not looking for Putin's welcome or embrace, but at least he's his hand is out there extended. More power to him. I'm not sure how many people would be that forgiving in his position after what happened. Well, to be that forgiving in that position, especially when you have mm-hmm. innocent people being right, you know, killed. Uh, you know, the the violence, the animosity that's being. Mm-hmm. Uh, given at this point is just uncalled and unparalleled. It is insane. And then the bigger question is, what is America's role? Because my wife and I were watching, you know, Face the Nation the other day on Sunday. We were watching this one airs, and we also saw in the polls that most most people favor supporting Ukraine, you know, sending in weapons, relief, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But us putting boots on the ground—that's a bigger story. And I, I'm not surprised by that because of how quick we went into Iraq and how quick we went into Afghanistan and how long we stayed there. And I mean, do you fear that that could happen again, that we could get into another war and we're in there for another 10 to 20 years? I don't think it would last as long, but I think where we put the boots and where we settle into that, I think we need to be a little less jingoistic about it and Agreed. understand where what, and, and what our role is mm-hmm. as a country and go in there not necessarily to fight, but, but maybe to protect the exactly people, the innocent people that are being killed right. by this ruthless how do I put it uh, 
KG, ex-former KGB. Look, hate him. I have to tell people all the time, and, and even the people that say he's he's a real man, like, no, he's not. He's no. a thug. He's a KGB thug. thug. That's exactly what he is. And the entire world knows it. And you know what? For Rudy Giuliani to embrace people, like, fuck Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Seriously. I just, that's, it's insane. Um, but yeah, I, um... I will say it's I, I pray for the people of Ukraine and Zelensky seemed, he's a good man, he's doing he's doing a good he's he's doing everything he can. I know he's getting a lot of help from Americans and hopefully the rest of the world. And I hope everyone listening to this podcast, wherever you are in the world, will try to help however you can, um, that we ask for. Um, and, and in our closing I gotta ask, what do you hope to bring to the Aspie Files? I hope to bring a aspect of from where I've come from. Where are you from originally? I am from uh, Long Island, New York. Nice. And I uh, was born and raised there. Now I've been in uh, Southwest Florida here. Nice. Uh, last, uh, almost 19 years now. Wow. So. I got 14. Yeah, so, well, you're, you're getting there. You're seasoned. Mm, now I am. Uh, they say you get climatized down here. Well, I was traumatized, but that's okay. <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's man. something different. It is. But, okay. <laughs> but basically, uh, maybe to bring an aspect of an ideology that I have that is very akin to yours, but maybe in a different aspect. Uh, yeah, because we see, you and I see the world, not, I was like pretty close to the same. Pretty close to the same, but I think we, what's nice is we have our differences in certain areas. Sure. Where we're able to interconnect two different ideas, mm-hmm. but with the same focus of a thought. It seems that way, and there's a lot more you and I agree on than we disagree on, it seems. Exactly, and then even with the disagreement, I think we come to a solution that kind of observes both of our ideologies the same. So I don't stomp on what you're saying, and likewise you don't say that, but you say, I see your point, yet here's my point. Right. And we see each other's opinions and points, but we don't stomp all over the idea or the aspect of where we're coming from. Which Siskel and Ebert were very good at, and then later Ebert did with Mr. Roper as well. Exactly, yeah. One of the best film critics I've ever come across. Oh my goodness, those guys were incredible. Uh, And he was a big Woody Allen fan, just like I was. I don't think there was one film of Woody's that Roger hated. I don't, you know, I don't recall him ever giving a thumbs down on any of his yeah. Movies. I will say, I mean, there were some probably some films during the 2000s that Woody probably fell, but I think he got it back with Match Point. I don't think you've ever seen it, but. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson's really good in it, and she plays a temptress to this tennis pro who married into this very wealthy family. She plays a, the, the woman, a woman, an actress who drinks too much, and you would not want to. You, Ladies, you would not want to leave this woman alone with your guy. Let's just put it that mm. way. Because she will make a pass at him. She's, like her character's mysterious and a bit aloof at times. Mm. And then she just... Perfect just, actress for it, too. Scarlet, yeah, Scarlet's really good. But she's worked with Woody. And she worked with Woody two other times since then. She worked with him on Scoop, the murder mystery. Mm. And then again on Ricky Cristina Barcelona. And Penelope got, got won an Oscar mm. for Best Supporting Actress. But yeah, I mean... He's gotten it back. I hope he, you know, and I hope he'll continue to make movies. I know, I think he'll live to be 100. What do you think? Oh, I think he's going to live even beyond that. You know, it's funny that how they say, you know, people live uh, to a certain age and they become a centenarian or whatever. Hmm. But just think about it. We may have lost a lot of the people of the past, like Jackie Gleason and all these others. Oh, God, yeah. But they live on in the, in the celluloid that yeah. we have. And, and, the, and that's how life goes on as we remember them as they were and as they could have been. And it seems like corporations like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon 
even YouTube and Pluto, you know, they are bringing back nostalgia for so many people. And maybe new audiences are discovering Jackie because I mean, Jackie once said the reruns of Honeymooners got him a new audience. And the same with George Burns, Grace Young, and particularly when George won his Oscar for uh, The Sunshine Boys. Yeah. Which is, by the way, one of the funniest comedies you ever see in your life. I think if it was remade now, probably... I, I, I'm going to say if it's made in... Tw- tried to redo it in 25 years, they have to do a different name. Yes, it would. And I'm thinking maybe the two people that could pull it off is probably Carell and Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's my guess because they have that um, ability to make you laugh. Without much effort. And Walter Matthau and George Burns were really good at that. They just had a chemistry. They had a chemistry, and what happened is they had a timing. And that was from their vaudeville days, at least with George Burns. Right, because he came from vaudeville days with with Gracie Allen and everything. You know, they started on radio, vaudeville. He was actually an acrobat. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I knew he did a lot. I knew he did a lot of things before he got with Gracie. He told Ed Bradley, because he interviewed him in 1988 for 60 Minutes, he said, um, when I started, I had no talent. I went to the seal. I went to the dog. I had the skating act. I, I would know. That's why I'm not surprised he was act about as well. He was, and it, it's funny. I saw a picture of him. And he just looked. He, he never changed. He, he even as a young man looked like George Burns. Right. You didn't really notice the big change until probably the seventies. When the seventies, when he started, of course, you know, smoking. The, you noticed the differences when the cigars started to becoming bigger than he was, and they were visible. Exactly. Although they always were, it seems. They were. They were, but that was his staple. It was his staple. And Ron Ron White has carried that on in his stand-up as well. Yes, he has. He's a really funny stand-up. Too. If you've never seen Ron White do stand-up, highly recommend it. He's a lot bluer than Jeff is. I will say that, though. Yes, yes. But I'm hoping that... But I will say this, though. Like, um, for anyone that's wondering, there's no bad blood. Uh, Ron and Larry and Kathleen Madigan, they were on the special that they did with Jeff for biography. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen thought Jeff was dead because... It was biography that called her. Right. <laughs> He's like, whoa, whoa, aren't whoa, most of yeah, those... Wait a minute, what is this? Are, are most of them dead people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, they've done... I mean, they did one on Garth uh, not that long ago, and they, you know... And I and I haven't seen... By the way, Jeff has a new special on Netflix. I want to give a shout-out to that called The Good Old Days. It looks really good. Uh, I saw snippets of it, and actually it looks very good. Yeah, I'm anxious to see that... Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to start on it because I may see with – I know I want to see it with you ultimately. I may see it on my own first and, you know, because uh, – but, yeah, you know, I love it when comics like that continue this longevity because some comics burn out after all or they go into acting and they never go back to the microphone. Right. But when comics like Chris Rock go back to the microphone, Billy Crystal uh, – it, it's impressive. Kevin Hart. It's impressive. Brian Reagan's another good one. You like Brian Reagan? Brian Reagan's a good one. Who, who, who else, as far as comedians go, past and present, makes you laugh? Uh, past, I would have to say uh, John Panette was one of the best. Right. He was really funny. and He, used to he do, was very funny. He used yeah. to do a routine about his weight all the time. Yes, he was a very heavy man, and unfortunately, the pulmonary embolism is what uh, did him in. For fans that don't know what that is... It is basically the heart uh, muscles uh, contract and and actually just tighten so bad right. that it actually stops your heart from pumping. So heart disease essentially killed Basically him. a heart disease, and the man just lived on the road for, for 20, I think it was almost 23, 24 years, yeah. straight and, and ate on the road. So he, yeah. he lived, you know, they say wine, woman, and song. Well, this man ate. Not wine, woman, and song, but it was more like wine and food and song. You sure it wasn't wine and men as well? 
I'm I don't just know. curious. <laughs> I don't you know. I really don't know. He, he, if he did have that tendency, he he hit it well. About to say, yeah. I mean, Luther Vandross was gay, and we didn't know it until exactly. after he died. You know, look at Rock Hudson. Too. Rock Hudson was well, yeah. But he and he, Rock and Liberace were like among the first, it seems. And of course, Liberace was very flamboyant, so you kind of yeah. understood that he was like that. And I guess the less flamboyant ones kind of were more reserved, like maybe Panette and, and some of these others. Right. But you know, it doesn't detract from the ability and the greatness that they had with their their comedy. And it seems like they were very devoted to it to the point where you really didn't know much else about them except for that. Like Russell Peters is a great comic. I know very little about him except that he has two children and that he's kind of a womanizer. That's, that's about it. The thing is, you're better off that way. Yeah, I think you know, so. You, you, the less you know about their personal life and understand their comedy, yes, and and what they project. Um, I'll be very honest with you. I was a big Abbott Costello fan. You were. And I still am. Mm -hmm. But Luke Costello was a real bastard in life. Oh, Abbott Costello? Yes. And and he he actually used to beat on the other one that used to beat on him, you know, Bud Abbott. And it it turns out that I know somebody that met him and he told him to go F off. Wow. And he was very nasty to them. and, And he wasn't a very nice man. Yeah, as far as and, and so Ava Costello, Panette, who else, and Gleason, who else stands out for you there? Oh my gosh, not even just male. I mean, uh, female, you've yeah. got Lucille Ball, you've Lucy. got um, Carol Burnett. We were just, yeah, we were just talking about her uh, a while ago. You know, and then of course, you know, a lot of a lot of comedians were were sitcom like like Dick Van Dyke, right? You know, a, a lot of them all embraced different things, and there's so many different talents out there that yeah. it's, it's even hard to conceptualize. And, and even put them in a box. There's just too many to, to even come up with. It really is. I mean, for me, George Carlin, Jerry Seinfeld, Steve Martin, Foxworthy, Romano, I think is... Carlin was very interesting. Carlin was, was the best. He he, he, he had a, a, a one-liner that I always remember that, he, that makes me, to this day, laugh. And he says, he says, you know, I would love to be able to take my brake lights and hook them up to my gas pedal so the people that are following me Excuse me. Will stop because they see me accelerating, but the brake lights are on. Mm. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, he, uh, he was. Look, any comic that talks about the big world of issues—love, hate, death, war, race, business, religion, sex—owes a certain debt to uh, George Carlin. Oh, of course, because he, he there was never a subject untouched by him. Except, and Richard Pryor was the same way too. God bless his soul, too. He was great. You know what's a bummer for me is that Pryor didn't get to do stand-up as an old man. Carlin did. He did. Yeah, Carlin pretty much did. I mean, he still went into movies. Did you ever see any of Carlin's movies, by any chance? You know, it's funny you say that. No, I don't I don't recall ever seeing Because he was in a bunch. He was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. He was in Outrageous Fortunes. <clears throat> Prince of Tides is really good. Uh, Street Slug Radio, he's really good in. Um, uh, my wife and I saw him in Dogma. He was really good in that. We loved him in yeah, Jersey Girl. And he, I didn't realize he was in that many movies. Oh, he and King. Well, he was he was a bunch with Kevin Smith. And Kevin, he went to Kevin after Dogma. And he said to him, "Hey, Kevin, I can show up and do more than just be funny. If you need me to uh, to strangle six people, I'll do it." <laughs> yeah, that sounds like him. But what happened was Kevin heard the best part of that. I can show up and do more than just be funny. Yeah. So when he was writing Jersey Girl, which by the way is based on his own father. Mm. His own father, his relationship with his own father. That was the inspiration for that. And clearly, he saw that Carlin could be the father to Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're, I mean, I think they're really good. But um, 
the ones I comics I've mentioned of the new guys. I love Che. He makes me laugh. Colin Jost makes me laugh. Kay McKinnon. She is phenomenal on SNL. She can imitate anyone, man, woman, doesn't man, matter. Man, woman, she's very talented. I mean, and I will say her impression of Hillary is better than even Amy Poehler's, and I like Amy Poehler very much. Mm-hmm. But Kate will run that extra mile. I mean, I'm not knocking, you know, the ones that came for her because, you know, but she, but she is really good. She's the gold standard, and I suspect she'll get her own show one day eventually. Oh, I'm sure. And I hope she'll consider it because I think she did. Melissa, Melissa Bessonior is on there and she's really talented. Taylor Williamson, who I saw the stand-up, Gabriel Iglesias is really good. Oh, Iglesias. Fluffy. Fluffy. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know him until recent. And yeah. uh, I've heard of him, but I've never watched anything by him. And I started watching it. Let me tell you something. That is one talented man. He, I knew him off and on for about 20, 20 years because he used to work at Nickelodeon. Okay. He used to work on a show called All That. Hmm. Which was sort of like the teenage version of Saturday Night Live. Okay. Nickelodeon had a couple of those in the 90s, Roundhouse, and then they had All That came after, and All That became right. a mega super. Mega. At one point, they were number one show on Nickelodeon. Right. Which is weird because they also had Rugrats and Doug and Rocco and Ren and Stimpy. And, you know, right. I mean, I mean, God, the 90s had some interesting shows, you know? I will say that they really did. I didn't say and, and I, I kind of missed that era because I, in yeah. the 90s, I was already grown and, and in the the workaday world. Yeah. So I kind of missed that, that whole spectrum right there. But, yeah. Um, you know, do I, do I, am I sad about that? No, because I grew up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, so. Right. And it was a good era. And it was also an era that probably was less PC than what we're going through now. I mean, Trey Parker and Matt Stone even said to 60 Minutes, they don't think, so. they were, they were concerned South Park wouldn't have even been on cable because they're, they're they wanted to make a new version of All in the Family. That was the original concept of South Park. Mm-hmm. But then they said, "But we probably couldn't do it, Archie Bunker, because the world's just so PC." Mind you, this is 1996, 1997. Right. But I like that Trey's like, "Well, if Archie Bunker was eight years old, you could probably do it." Thus come Cartman and Kyle and Kenny and. I see the concept now. It, yeah, and I, yeah, I know you, you. I know, I know it's not your cup of tea, but I, I happen to think they're brilliant, and I love the episode that Elton John was in. Their third COVID episode. There, I cannot believe they're twenty five years old now. It just shocks me that they've been around this it shocks long. Shocks me too, actually. It shocks me that they. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they're still around, but I'm also, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised that Family Guy's still around. I'm just surprised that Seth is still with Fox. No, see, I like Family Guy. Your family, Seth McFarlane. I like Family Guy. I, I, I'm not an avid, complete, total, oh Family my guy. God, Gaga fan, but I'll tell you, there, there have been episodes that have had me in stitches. Yeah, I think, and I love the musical numbers, <laughs> I, I, love that, I love that they have weird cameos you don't see coming. I was surprised, of all people, they got Rush Limbaugh to guest star in that show. I know. And he was surprisingly, surprisingly, the right-wing cigar-smoking asshole was funny. Surprisingly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't expect that, but yeah, and I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, compared to, there are some shows out that are on now that are really good, but do you notice that so many of them are not on network TV now? I know. Because they have the gatekeepers. Exactly. And I think until they realize they need less gatekeepers and more freedom for the people that write and create television, then it's probably, I mean, every now and then something good comes out on network. Like this last decade, like Scandal came out, which I'm showing Jen now, and she absolutely loves it. Blue Bloods. Uh... You know, it's on network. This Is Us was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Modern Family was of that era. But, you know, but I, I will say this as far as Modern Family, I wasn't like gaga crazy over it. You know, although Julie Bowen's a beautiful and funny woman, you know, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. But yeah, it may, like, 
as a whole, I think we still have great content. We are still in a golden age. I think it kind of started in the early 2000s, probably with you know the advent of HBO's getting that Sex and the City and then Sopranos and Six Feet Under, and then cable came in USA Network company. But um, yeah, I, I, it, it's changed pop culture, but for the most part, there's things, there's nostalgia that we crave for. And then there's other times I see something and like, oh, I'm glad my friend recommended this, you know? But mm-hmm. it's only, <laughs> I will say this though, but the older I get, I still pine for nostalgia sometimes. I really do. Well, the older I get, the more nostalgic I become. You haven't showed us, you haven't showed us Twilight Zone recently. Yes, Twilight Zone, uh, the original. My you know, they, they've come out with a few incarnations of it, which um, to their benefit are, are great, but there's nothing like the one that uh, premiered in, in 1959. How did you feel about Jordan Peele's version that he did? Very Done very well. Yeah, and he got Kamal and Ginny to be in the first episode. It was really good. You know, I took Jen to see one of his movies, the, the which was inspired him and his wife's story, The Big Sick, which is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Great story. She loved it. The next night I said, want to go to a comedy club, babe? And <laughs> so we went to see Ferrara at the comedy club. Adam Ferrara, who's friends with Kevin James. Kevin Slurry. James, yep. Yeah. I mean, he knew Kevin on the Long Island comedy circuit during the 80s. Yeah. But that was during an era where there was a lot of great stand-ups. Like Fox was up during that period. Ray oh, Romano, yeah. Dennis Miller, Janine Garofalo. Um, Tim Allen was of, was of that. Roseanne was in that. Yeah. Sam Kinison. I mean, you got you got to give people like, another legend. I'll give props to Roddy Dangerfield, who launched uh-huh. the career of so many of these guys and gals. Yeah, Roddy Dangerfield. It, it was funny. I saw a snippet with him with Jackie Gleason. He had Gleason in stitches. Was this on um, uh, television? It was. Was it not by any chance? Was it Gleason's variety show? No, actually, um, I don't. I don't really recall because it was a very quick snippet. But it might have been. Uh, right. Gleason was older. In, in this, uh, so, okay. so it was definitely a later, yeah. Um, if, if it were any type of you know, Gleason's type of show, yeah. Um, if it was, it was definitely, uh, it, it was just hilarious because Rodney Dangerfield was super young, of course, at that point, uh, right. Gleason was getting older, but Rodney Dangerfield came out like a rocket and just was doing these one liners, and Gleason lost it. And that was kind of his brand of stand up, was the one liners. And exactly, and, and it was the ad lib, he was the ad lib king. Right. Jackie Gleason. And so was Ruckles. Exactly, and these guys, I mean, they did it from that brilliant mind of theirs. They knew, they went off of what the audience was looking for. Right. And then worked on that. And when they got the laugh, they said, okay, I'm on a tangent, let me keep on there. Yeah. And they would just keep going. And and Dangerfield did this in front of Gleason. And Gleason just absolutely was choking at one point because he was so funny. It seems like Gleason was a guy that could appreciate other people who had talent oh, and had definitely. a lot to offer the world. Which, you know, if you watch the Brad Garrett movie, which I've seen, I saw it, I've seen it like 20 times, and unfortunately most of them have been since my dad's passing. He and I only got to see it once together, and that yeah. was when it first aired. But it's really good if you like that old school, that really just films about show business in general are just really, really good. And that Gleason's a good example of that. The Ray, the Ray movie is really good. The one that was about Lucy and Ricky that came out with Aaron Sorkin. I want to see that. It's I, on Amazon. I have not seen that yet. It's I, on Amazon. I, I, I am curious to see that because I am a huge, um, I love Lucy. I have every, every uh, yeah. DVD of the whole collection. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and another thing for me too is that my mom grew up when I Love Lucy was on. So my mom would actually ask her parents if she could stay up to watch our Lucy. Right. And that was the one program they let her let her stay up and watch. You know, Denzel Washington told Colbert a few years ago that he said 
when he was a child, and mind you, the um, Colbert's, the late shows in the Ed Sullivan Theater, they were talking about what it was like as a kid for Denzel to discover the Beatles, because he was like 10 when they came to mm-hmm. the United States. They were on the Ed Sullivan Show. He said, when I was a kid, it was Bonanza, Ed Sullivan, then bed. There you go. <laughs> it was like that big. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, Ed Sullivan was also a guy, like this was in an era when there were three networks. Like, he was able to launch new new acts. Like, yeah, no at problem. ABC, NBC, and CBS. And CBS yeah, basically. And that was on CBS. They ruled at and, that point. And CBS did rule the time because the fifties they had Lucy and Gleason. Exactly. Sixties they got Gleason again, and they had the Twilight Zone and Beverly Hillbillies and Andy Griffith. That's CBS. Yeah. Sullivan. Yeah. Yep. And they had uh, to uh, they, they aired to tell the truth in the daytime as well at one point. They aired it at yes. night, but then they aired it in, in daytime. And because I've seen some color episodes, in fact. Loretta Lynn's husband is actually in one episode. Mm. But I can spot his face, no problem. Because mm-hmm. I've seen the movie so right. many times. And Tommy Lee Jones and him look... They look pretty similar. You, yeah. you could see You it. could see it. Yeah. You could see it. It's really good. But yeah, Rickles was good at reacting. Dane Show was really good. Another one, Bob Newhart was really good at that too. He had a dry, a very... Almost that 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 stuttering. Yeah, he did. It was so perfect and on cue. Uh, yeah, he came out with a very good show in the eighties. Uh, oh, New Heart. Yeah, right. That show was just brilliant. And, yeah. and I, I used to love when somebody would say something and he would go, uh, 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 "Why?" Right. <laughs> and he would just just the way he timed his stuttering. Right. Made you laugh only, and and his expression. Mm-hmm. He was a visual type of individual. You know right. what I mean? You could listen to him and hear him stutter, but if you saw him and listened to him and stutter, you laughed more because you knew where the you knew where the joke was going. Exactly, and, and you saw it in his face. Would you agree? It was the same thing when he played the therapist in the uh, sitcom in the seventies as well? Very much so. And let me tell you, he 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 didn't change much from that. No, he did not. He no. always kept on that same same vibe of stutter. Say a one-liner and then stutter back and then come out with another one. I'm amazed that he's even. I, what also amazed me, he's in his 90s. He's still acting. He's still doing stand-up. Yep. But he also like he's guest starred in ER. He's guest starred in Desperate Housewives. He's guest starred in NCIS. He was in the Librarian series for TNT. He was in Big Bang Theory, which he got his first Emmy award for. And I'm like, that's victorious to see him get an Emmy at that point in his life. I had that tried. I heard he, he was on the Big Bang Theory, and he was really good as and Professor I Proton. Heard he was very good on. Yes. Yeah. I must admit, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Young Sheldon. Mm. I think just in terms that has like a Wonder Years family ties feel to it. I mean, if you look at this kid, he's like so much like Alex P. Keaton. It's not even funny. Oh, another another great show. Family, family ties. ties. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the funniest snippets I ever remember from that show is Alex was was at a uh, he was seeing I guess a psychologist or something. Yes, sir. And he drops change on the floor, and uh-huh. Alex goes. Two quarters, three dimes, and a nickel. And he goes, oh, that's very good. How did you know that? Yeah, <laughs> but that's how Because he understands money. money. You know, money, 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 and, and politics, and money, and, you right. know, so it, he played that so well. Were you, yeah, my favorite episode, and I've, I've been, I slowly got into them when Amazon got them, because they've, they've been on different streaming services. I keep forgetting where they're at now, but we'll find out ultimately. But I've discovered them in the last several years, and my favorite episodes, I had a few, but one by far I always stands out was Sweet Lorraine, where he worked at the radio station, the French woman called in, yeah. and he wound up dating her, and I was like, 
Alex P. Keaton, you lucky bastard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. He yeah, was exactly. out in that sense. And no, and, uh, did you ever see his second uh, TV series, Spin City? Spin City? I did not watch it much. It was a good show. Um, I heard it was very good, but then I also heard that, that it was in the middle of that that he was diagnosed with this Parkinson's. No? 1991, he was diagnosed. Okay. He was doing making Doc Hollywood when he was diagnosed. Oh. Uh, he thought it was stemming from drinking, which he was doing very heavily. And it was after his diagnosis, he quit. And he hasn't had a drink since then. But yeah, he was diagnosed in 1971. And he continued to make movies mm. while concealing the fact that he had, um, that he had Parkinson's disease. Yeah. yeah and, but he, so he made, and most of the movies he made after that period were not that great. Although Life with Mikey is now on Disney+. Plus, So, you know, I guess, if, you, I guess if, if you're into cult films that are not that great from the 90s, but they're... Have some nostalgia for more power to you, but then he got the he got the script for Spin City, and it was run by Dave, Gary David Goldberg, who did um he was his producer on um, his producer on, on Family Ties, Family Ties, and then Bill Lawrence created it. Bill Lawrence later went on to do Scrubs and Cougar Town. Yeah, and he's a good Bill's a good writer too, and he had a good cast, mostly New York actors. But yeah, uh, the first two years of the show, only a few people knew they had Parkinson's, including his wife and the head of ABC, and that's about it. Yeah. Doctors knew that's it. So what happened was seven o'clock on Friday nights, they're ready to go out. He's taking a pill. Pill hasn't kicked in yet. He's not ready to yeah. do what he does. And two years into it, by nineteen, he couldn't hide anymore. It was at a point where yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't. couldn't even control his, his motor motor functions. But yeah, you know, I'm amazed that he continued to act even after his leaving Spin City. Well, God bless him for that. Were, were you surprised? I mean, I was surprised they continued with Charlie Sheen. I never, I've never thought he was funny. It, it, it depends. It, it, it's your cup of tea, you yeah. know, Charlie Sheen. Um, you know, he had his place in his time, but but you're never going to replace a a Michael J. Fox. No, I agree. And it, for my money, he's a better actor. And, Much better. And I I don't. This is just my take on it. I was surprised that he decided to pursue the movie thing after Family Ties ended. But maybe it was good he waited a few years after being diagnosed with something like that. But I was surprised he didn't make movies during that period. Because no, what was amazing too is that. He worked himself to death. He, he was doing Family Ties and Back to the Future at the same, at the same, time. same time. But he was in his 20s when he did that. And exactly. You know, yeah. Looked like he was in his teens. You know what I mean? Because he always had that young look, you know, that young face. He also did Nancy McKean during that period, too, if I recall. And then Tracy. Yes. Yeah. Right? Who Tracy, Tracy Pollock. Pollock, yes. Pollock, who he has, who he has four kids with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. God bless him for that. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I love that show. And I, but young Sheldon and that show and the Wonder Years. If you look at the three, the writing is similar. The, sh- the production of it's very is similar in some ways. I think he's and Sheldon's character is a lot like Keaton, although a lot more OCD. Of course. But I will. I don't know if you the last ep- episode of of Spin City that Mike was in. He actually said, "I got a I got a new job because if, if the plot, I don't get too much of it away, but um, um." Basically, the mayor got involved with organized crime. Mm. He was played by Barry Boswick. And, um... Another good actor. Very good actor. The whole cast... I mean, yeah, the whole cast was really good. Connie Britton was in that. Jennifer Esposito was really good in it. Um, Alan Ruck from, um... I think I said his name oh right. Oh, my gosh. Alan Ruck, From, yes. uh, uh, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, yep. Yeah, and he's in... Hey, he's, oh, that was a great movie. Right. He's in an HBO series now, uh, called Succession, which is really... Which I've been told is really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry, uh, the, the, the timer only has a six-minute limit on here, so I'm going okay. um, to wrap this up here. But yeah, I, um, I will say this, though. Um, Ron, I am so happy that you are joining the Aspie Files, and I wanted everyone to get to know you before Jennifer and I take a long, long vacation to um, 
New Jersey to really get some R&R that we really needed. But I, I said, we've got to get Ron on, and uh, I'm going to make this a full episode now. I know we're going to do, we said bonus. I think I'm going to make this a full episode just because you were so good in it. And I appreciate that. My Thank friend, you. we're going we're gonna to get you involved in a lot in the show, and you've got ideas, and I know you write a little bit. So I do. Whatever you got, just uh, pitch to me. We'll, uh, we'll make it work. And uh, Ron Hurst, welcome to the Ask Me Files. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And folks, um, you can listen to the Ashley Files on uh, Apple, uh, on Apple, on uh, Google, on Spotify, on Breaker, on Radio Public. Uh, please take care of yourself this holiday season. And as we always have to say, have that piece of cheesecake. Read that book. Go for that swim. Go for that walk. Call your mom. Call your dad. Call your brothers and sisters. Call your best friend. Um, Make peace um, with someone you may have had a small argument with at work because you might need them again one day. That's very important. (laughs) But most of all, please take care of yourself and each other, as Jerry Springer once said. Um, We don't encourage fighting, even though their show did. But we love you for uh, listening to the Aspie Files, and uh, we will see you next time. Take care. Bye.